Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, The Highwayman by Lord Dunsany, first published in 1908, um, and read for this uh, show from the famous Fantastic Mysteries, December 1944 publication. Sometimes it's titled The Highwaymen, but I like The Highwayman better. Well, you've already gotten us into an area of controversy. Um, in order to understand why you prefer one title to another, um, tell us you know, how you, how you read the story. What's the mm-hmm. story about? So this is a story about Tom of the Rhodes, who is hanging from a tree, um, not seeing anything, not hearing anything, stuck in his body. Um, three of his friends, uh, three of the foulest highwaymen ever in England, are in a tavern, and they come up with a plan to uh, free Tom from his prison. Is that a good summary? <laughs> I, I, th- I think it's not clear. Um, well, Tom has been hanged. He's dead. And it's his soul that's imprisoned within the chains that are around his neck. He's hanging from a tree. He's been hanged by chains rather than a rope. Um, So it's not Tom that's being – it's Tom's body that they want to cut down. Mm -hmm. I don't don't think it's even clear, is it, that the three highwaymen, um, the other three highwaymen, um, know that his soul is, is trapped there? Maybe they yeah, do, it's but not, it's not super clear. Although I think, given that they live in the Christian culture and they are doing this action, I think that it's it's clear that they believe something like that is going on. But it's clear they want him to have a to be buried in hallowed ground. Yes, and, and that, and that for, yeah, and for the reasons that um, Christians like that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> I want to I wanna read my little uh, story summary or story, wh- why people should read this story. I wrote this in 2012 um, when I first found this story, and I, I really like this story a lot. So I'll just read this, and then I think that'll bring some, some clarity to why it is such a good story, at least in my mind. So sometimes... Titled The Highwayman, sometimes The Highwaymen, Lord Dunsany's elegant prose poem is an 1800-word tale about a scabrous gang of bastard highwaymen, and it has something for almost everyone. I think despite the sacrilege and desecration in the story that my Christian friends will like it, it's got a lot of that redemption stuff they are big on. I'm confident that fans of Capital Punishment will like it, because it certainly doesn't repudiate legalized killing. And... My friend Greg Marguerite, who didn't believe in any of the underlying mythology, liked it well enough to read it for LibriVox. And me? Yep, I like The Highwaymen too. I like the overarching premise about friendship. I think it's heartwarming. Plus, it's got a lot of ghoulish shit in it, and I like that stuff too. The the Um, ending is so heartwarming, even though it is so uh, ghoulish. It's a great story. So do you want to uh, explain what happens? Sure. So um, 
in we, we see Tom hanging from the tree. His his um, eyes don't see, his ears don't hear. Um, but as he hangs from this tree, having rotted there, um, his body is made clean, but his soul cannot be freed. Um, it's trapped in his head, and he's punished ceaselessly by all the evil thoughts that rebuke, rebuked him, the things that he said in the world that hurt other people, the things that he did in the world that hurt other people, come to him and hound him throughout the night. Um, but nearby uh, is Paul, Archbishop of Alois and Vayence, um, lying in a white sepulcher, a um, marble tomb in a hallowed graveyard. Um, and nearby that is a tavern of foul repute where three men lap gin. And I love that verb, to lap gin. Their names are Joe, Will, and the Gypsy Puglioni. They have no other names because their fathers are anonymous. <laughs> and they are great friends with each other. And they are the staunchest of friends with with um, Tom of the Rhodes. They are also highwaymen like Tom. Um, they come up with a plan in which to get Tom out of that tree and bury him in hallowed ground so that his soul can go free, or at least so that he can be put in hallowed ground. He deserves it, they think, somehow. And they do that. And that's basically the entirety of the story um, but that's not what makes the story so great by itself. It's just a good little plot. But the language of this story is just amazing. I agree. I agree. Um, it's it's almost a, like a modern Christian fable that is. I mean, I'm not a Christian. I I don't really hold with the. All the stuff, but man, this is powerful. It, it's, if this was a sermon, you'd be like, "Wow, they, this guy's great." <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Uh, let me, if I may, uh, support the notion that it's not the plot that makes it great. Um, it is, I think, a a poetic meditation on the consequence of of action. Hmm. Um, let me first take a look at poetic and then maybe, uh, consequence of action. Um, the story begins, uh, here's the first paragraph. And I, I, I ask that I, I found myself attending to the, the visual imagery. Mm-hmm. Tom of the Rhodes had ridden his last ride and was now alone in the night. Uh, by the way, you can read this with a good rhythm to it that has to do with writing. Tom of the Rhodes had ridden his last ride and was now alone in the night. From where he was, a man might see the white recumbent sheep and the black outline of the lonely downs, the lonely downs and the gray line of the farther and lonelier downs beyond them, or in hollows far below him, out of the pitiless wind, 
He might see the gray smoke of hamlets arising from black valleys, but all alike was black to the eyes of Tom, and all the sounds were silence in his ears. Only his soul struggled to slip from the iron chains and to pass southwards into paradise, and the wind blew and blew. In that paragraph, it doesn't actually say that Tom is dead, but but we kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. The the light, the, the the black and the white and the gray. Mm-hmm. Tom is alone in the night. A man might see the white recumbent sheep and the black outline of the lonely downs. Now, downs is a word that in British English means hills. So the downs are up. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've got this this inherent tension and notice of the things that he could see. He couldn't see them at night. And mm-hmm. yet the description of them has on this hill white sheep. Uh, I I'm not suggesting inherently that immediately we read this and we think, ah, white sheep, symbol of Jesus. Um, but we do have three robbers going Mm -hmm. up to a man who's on a hill and cutting him loose, which sort of reminds us of Jesus saying to the two thieves who are crucified next to him on the hill of Calvary, you will be with me this day in paradise. And here the three thieves go and they cut him down uh, ghoulishly, as you say. It turns out they have to cut his head off to separate the head and the body because they can't open the chain. Um, And he gets to go to paradise. So what we see here is an idea, because it's nighttime, you can't see it, an idea of white sheep on a hill that could be visible from his black eyes. Everything is black in his eyes because he's dead. In the black night, on the black hills, but we have the gray smoke that rises. So what Dunsany has created is a gradient from black in the downs, which are also now downs, literally downs, not downs hills, but the down part, because it's the hollows, right? It's where things are missing, right? We've got black in the downs, then where human life actually strives to keep supporting itself, we have gray, and the gray can go up to the white, which is reminded, as we're reminded of it, by the white of the sheep. So in this passage, we have Tom chained so that he cannot, in fact, go from the black to the white. But he is swinging on a tree and the wind blew and blew, which becomes a refrain in the story. The wind blew and blew. And one of the things that I thought about with the wind blew and blew is that mm-hmm. it's like a river, right? When rivers just keep moving they are sort of symbolic of the passage of time. Now, what we see in this story is that the fact that when Tom was young, his soul was clean, meaning it was white, um, he did good things. And although he consciously chose to do sinful things as a highwayman, his thoughtless uh, actions and words to the people with whom he shared that rough life created tremendous friendship. And well, it's such a beautiful, beautiful metaphor is going on in there. Indeed. And so what we have is 
the consequence of actions over time, except unlike having a river represent time when the consequences work them their way out, we have the wind do it. And I ask, what's the difference between a steadily blowing wind and the wind blew and blew, which is a phrase that comes up repeatedly in this short piece. What's the difference? And the difference is this, I think, that water may symbolize life. In fact, it does, typically. Um, and in Christianity, the fish that symbolizes Jesus um, comes out of the water. But the wind is spirit. Mm-hmm. The wind is spirit. And so the wind blew and blew. There's a marvelous phrase here. We're told about what what Tom's um, terrible actions as a highwayman have been uh, all along. And it says that it generated, his actions generated the sadness of God and the mm-hmm. anger of men. Right? So God wants to be able to find a way to redeem in this story. And it's it's the thoughtless acts of friendship that eventually work their way out to that redemption. Um, if I were guessing why you wanted to be the highway man rather than the highway men, it's because it's Tom's actions that uh, on which we focus. But I could make an argument for it being the highway men because um, the last paragraph is really it's interesting. It's powerful, I think. Um, they've let they've cut him down and they've they've gone away his soul we're told in the last line of the penultimate paragraph it came to paradise mm-hmm. and the last paragraph but will and joe and the gypsy puglioni went back to their sin and robbed and cheated again in the tavern of foul repute and knew not that in their sinful lives they had sinned one sin at which the angels smiled. Now, the reason I like that so much is clearly these three men cared that they were risking something, cutting this man down. They were fearful of the king's men. They had to decide whether or not to use lantern light to help them perform this theft because they knew that they would be arrested for it if they were seen and they would be punished for it. They were digging the grave of a bishop. They knew that that was criminal. They knew they were doing lots and lots of bad things, at least illegal things, but they did it out of a sense of loving friendship. And the fact that they didn't know that the angel smiled on this means that they never expected that their action was a redemptive one. Just like Tom, they did the, the, the work of friendship without worrying that it was for personal gain. And in that sense, I think one could say, well, they are like Tom. And this perhaps should be the highwayman, not the highwayman. But, mm-hmm. but however you look at it, the story as a whole seems to tell us your true motives for what you do, your motives in relation to people are more important than your fear of law or even of God's laws. Because if your motives are good, you will, in fact, make the angels smile, even at what appears to be a sin. That interestingly problematizes that last paragraph. 
the whole notion of sin and the whole mm-hmm. notion of law. It also it makes the reader smile too. <laughs> yes. It it sort of appeals to the better angels of our nature, you know, in that, um, yes, men judge, but God forgives is the idea. And it really is powerful here. Um, that metaphor that you're, you're hinting at, I want to read that because I, I it's just so beautiful. So I'm going to read that whole paragraph. Um, it goes, to and fro, to and fro in the wind swung the bones of this and the soul of Tom. For the sins that he had sinned on the king's highway against the laws of the king and with the shadows and a lantern through the darkness, at the peril of their lives came the three friends that his soul had won before it swung in chains. Thus, the seeds of Tom's own soul that he had sown all his life had grown into a gallows tree that bore in season iron chains and clusters. While the careless seeds that he had strewn here and there, a kindly jest and a few merry words, had grown into the triple friendship that would not desert his bones. So beautiful. Do you think that there is a connection between the triple friendship and the trinity? I don't mean a direct one-to-one comparison, but mm-hmm. but the, the 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 three characters who come to help him are three. They're mm-hmm. tripartite. They work together. Um, when they take his body down, they carry it away to um, to the grave that they have uh, prepared for him, uh, the uh, the bishop's grave, um, on a ladder which is sort of symbolic of being able to rise up. Um, mm-hmm. Their names are Will, uh, which sounds an awful lot like, you know, the intention to do something. Joe, who is sort of, a, you know, the father of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And then this other guy, this gypsy, Puglioni. Um, I couldn't find a, a translation for what is obviously an Italian word, um, except the people who come from Puglia, which is a region of Italy, but uh, this guy is, we're told, is a gypsy, which maybe means he wanders all around. So are we getting here the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Um, <laughs> I don't know. And they they cut him down yeah. from a hill. Um, did he did he wind up actually creating a friendship that on which God smiles? <laughs> I think I think he did. Um, I I would think not so much as the the Trinity as as sort of the three unwise men, you know, <laughs> um, bringing bringing the gift of uh, uh, to not the newborn but the newly released uh, kind of um, the the description of these three guys I just love so much. Um, in a tavern of foul repute, three men were lapping gin. <laughs> Only animals that lap gin are like ones with unfinished cheeks right uh, so right. dogs and cats their names were joe and will and the gypsy puglioni no other names had they for of whom their fathers were they had no knowledge but only dark suspicions and then the description of their faces sin had caressed and stroked their faces often with its paws but the face of puglioni sin had kissed all over the mouth and chin their f- food was robbery their pastime murder uh, that's a powerful passage. That, mm-hmm. that image of sin kissing Puglioni all over his mouth and face. Oh my God, it's uh, 
It's they're it's they're frightening to look at, right? Yeah. But you know, in the in the second paragraph of the story, when we're finding out about Tom swinging there by the neck, um, what happens is there fell away old sneers from off his lips, mm-hmm. and scoffs that he had long since scoffed at God fell from his tongue, and there rotted old bad lusts out of his heart, and from his fingers the stains of deeds that were evil. And they all fell to the ground and grew there in pallid rings and clusters. Um, And when these evil things had all fallen away, and I'll go finish that sentence in a minute. So what's going on here is something that for at least certain orthodox versions of Christianity is considered the antinomian heresy, that after death, there is the possibility of cleansing and redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but we have no reason to believe that Tom wants to be redeemed. He's, just, he's dead. And all of these things are just falling away. It's as if, wow, you know, the burdens of life, how stupid, how mm-hmm. foolish. And so what happens when these things fall away, when he is, in fact, scourged? Right. Uh, punished so that um, he will be more godlike. Tom's soul. Right. After when all these things had all fallen away, Tom's soul was clean again as his early love had found it. A long while ago, a long while since in spring. And it swung up there in the wind with the bones of Tom spring and spring up go in there with swung up. Tom actually once was a boy mm-hmm. who was so lovely that he attracted love. Then he was clean. Then he was white. And this is the paragraph that comes right after the, the black, gray, white imagery. So if, in fact, there's we're to believe there's a Christian God behind this because it is, after all, the, the holy man's grave that allows Tom's soul to actually go south to paradise. Um, that Christian God has has clearly suggested that there is redemption because evil falls away, but goodness persists. Mm-hmm. Love is more powerful than sin. Hence, even though in the last paragraph, Will and Joe and Puglioni um, continue to sin, it's marvelously ambiguous because we know they have the capacity for love. And that had been fostered by Tom. The name Tom Tom, uh, comes from a Greek word meaning twin. And one can't help think of the relationship between Jesus and uh, Thomas, the doubter, peeping Thomas, uh, you know, Thomas, who says, you know, what, you're, you're resurrected? No, 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 I wouldn't. And Jesus says, OK, stick your fingers in my wound. And then, then Tom believes. Um, right. So doubting Thomas. Uh, well, Thomas, in a way, is the twin of Jesus. He's the only one who touches him after the resurrection. And he is the physical part. He's not the more spiritual part, which is why faith is greater for those who have it without having had the physical proofs. Well, Tom here is the twin of his three friends, except he, we think, actually was once young and clean and lovely and lovable. Um, And they have learned from him by touching his body and taking him down from his 
place of execution. Um, it's, it's a wonderful story exploring comparatively well-known notions of sin, redemption, love, but without requiring that one be a Christian, only that one understand how Christians have made stories that encapsulate their views of it. But I think it is finally a redemptive story because it tells us that even after it all happens, um, friendship can take us south to paradise. It does move like a poem. There is great attention to individual words. So I'd just like to suggest, um, since I've not been able to find an actual archdiocese of Alois and Vaillance, maybe we should look at those words that Dunsany perhaps made up. If we were to take Alois, A-L-O-I-S, and make it into A-Lois, um, it would be to the laws, and vaillance is courage, it's valiance, it's uh, power. So when Tom is moved by his friends, his corpse, to be able to occupy the place that is to law and power, then he is able to go to paradise. Tom was okay all along. He just was out of the system. He was outside of the law. He did not have the social power. Um, and what they've done is placed him into a situation in which he now has it. So this is indeed a story about friendship, but I, I think what I'd like to, to remind us of is that friendship has to happen among people. And so the oxymoron idea is very important. If you're going to be a highwayman, if your food is, is, um, is robbery and your, your, your pleasures are murder, um, then you are outside of law and you will not, in fact, have social power, only individual power. But to gather together with friendship and love that puts us back into accord with law and power, and thence one can go to paradise. This is a social as well as an individual story, I think. But there's always more to say.